0: Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.
1: I may be a little bit emotional, and I want to apologize, but I just want to make you aware of that before we get to the bottom of the service. Um, you grab a Bible and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, um, and if you've got a U-version or whatever, it's on the notes, and open up your whatever, your smart tablet, whatever, and follow along. Um, if you don't know where Ecclesiastes is, turn to put your fingers in the Bible about halfway, your thumbs open up, you should be in Psalms. And then go two books to the right, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 7. You know, sometimes, sometimes you feel like you've gotten to the end, right? The end of your rope. Anybody ever get there? Thomas Jefferson was once quoted as saying, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. That video was recently sent to me because one of my brothers sitting here on the platform recognized that I was going through a really bad time. And they wanted to encourage me. And I have recently, in recent weeks, found myself in really rough water. Emotionally, mentally, even at points physically. And I didn't intend to be in Ecclesiastes and have these kinds of things happening, but God directs our path and orders our steps, and so He directed me back at the beginning of the year to preach out of Ecclesiastes, and here we are. And the conclusions we keep coming to is that life throws all sorts of things at us. Sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're not so good. Sometimes life itself drains life right out of us. There are seasons for every aspect of life. We talked about that last week. There are seasons. And sometimes the season we're directed into is good. Sometimes it's bad. And sometimes it's really ugly. But one of the biggest things we, 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 can't, we can come away with as we read Ecclesiastes is, is we can't live it alone. We cannot live life in isolation. We will not make it. And we need God and we need other people to help us transgress these waters sometimes that we find ourselves in. And these people sitting around me right now are people who are part of my circle and I cannot imagine that I could make it without them. And if I could, and I didn't think my small group would get mad at me, I'd have every one of them up here with me as well. I'd pull Dot up here and Julio, and I would pull up John and Ashley Scott and Jay and Jason and, and Beth Showblock, and I don't know who else. Monica's probably back there. Jason and Tanya Andrews, I'd pull them all. They'd be mad because they don't like to be in front of people. Because I haven't, I, I, they've, been, they've been a source of refuge and strength and encouragement for me. And all of us need that. But here's the issue. Real connection doesn't keep us from problems. But it does make life and trouble bearable, endurable, conquerable, and enjoyable. Do you hear me? Just because you've got the right connections doesn't mean you end up not in a bad spot. Does that make sense? And, I, and just like the rest of you, I put my toms on one foot at a time. Sometimes my fly ends up down, and I don't mean for it to. They're just bad days. And if it weren't for people around me, I couldn't make it. And I have found myself in one of those spots. Ecclesiastes seven tells us some, or 4 tells us some things like that. Listen to these words. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. I've observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone. Without a child or a brother yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. What Solomon tells us here in these few verses is this. Relational connections are what bring meaning to the gains of life. It does not make any difference what all I do, how much I accomplish, how much I accumulate, how much notoriety that I have if I do not have people to share it with. Or if I destroy the ones who matter the most around me as I'm trying to accomplish whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. It's meaningless. It makes no difference. And so many of us spend so much time trying to accumulate and accomplish and get things done and got our plan. And the people who suffer the most are the people who matter the most. And we just keep right on rolling. And Solomon comes to the conclusion after he has all the wealth on the planet, has kings and queens. I just read this morning in 2 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, Second Chronicles, I don't know what it was, 2 Chronicles, where the queen of Sheba comes to see Solomon and she is overwhelmed by the things she sees. And the guy who has all that writes these words. A man works for himself. This dude had 300 wives, 900 concubines, and he felt like he was alone. That's amazing. Huh? Mean means sex don't matter all that much. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. <laughs> God created us to spend all of this stuff of creation with him and with others. All of it. The reason he, he, he created us was to have relationship with himself. He created us to be engaged with other people and anything we can gain or do or accomplish, or whatever, means nothing unless we've got them, unless we've got him. And sometimes we do feel lonely, but here's the deal. God wants us to respond in faith in that loneliness, that he is with us. And if we've done what needs to be done before the rough water hits, we will know his presence because of the other people who are around us at that moment. Mm-hmm. See, relational connect you know, is there a part of it? Wait, wait, wait. It's not only about us. It's about them needing us to know he's with them when they're in rough water. That's Right? Right? And we all, we all don't get, a, get an exemption from rough, rough water. Not even the pastor. Relational connection doesn't keep us from problems. But it does make those problems in life bearable, endurable, conquerable, and enjoyable. It really does. Relational con- connection, some will go to say something like this. It offers protection. It ensures endurance, success, and I love this part, and a get back up moment. Look at verse 9 and 10 and the the first part of verse 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who fall alone, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verse 12 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There's a saying that goes around these days, teamwork makes the dream work, baby. I'm sitting here among people who have helped me be the man I'm supposed to be, who call me on things when I need to be called on things. One of them's sitting here right now, and he just a couple weeks ago, he looked me in the face. He said, Aaron, you know something? You haven't. And he began to describe to me in detail the things I hadn't done because I needed to hear it. And some of you would get frustrated because somebody would think to call you on that. Who is he speaking in my life? Well, if he's your friend, he should have the right to do that. If he's your brother, he should have the right to see when he sees something that's weak in you. And you know what it shows? If you're that insecure, you're the one who's weak, not him. It's the idea of compounding. You, you, you financial people know, like the more you give in to something and the interest begins to go, but like the, the graph goes, Right? The more I give in to what God's given me to do, and the more I give into the lives of others, the return on that grows exponentially. And right now, sometimes you're in need, like I'm in need at the moment, and these people around here just pour more in than I can handle. Those people out there I described pour in more than I can handle. It's beautiful, and that's the way it's supposed to work, because we're all a body, and sometimes parts of the body get injured, and when they get injured, they need the other parts of the body to step up and be something and do their part, and there's nothing wrong with that, and you may think I'm weak and vulnerable, and who wants to follow a pastor like that? Well, go ahead, but I'm just going to tell you, sometimes we go through stuff, and it's, I, I'm just being honest about where I am at the moment, okay? We must be humble enough to reach to someone when we've fallen. That's what I'm doing right now. I, 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 have, I found myself in a difficult spot. I want to say this. I'm not, I'm not in a place where I've done anything that would disqualify me from ministry. But I have found myself in about the last month in a very emaciated, emotional, and mental, and even somewhat a physical state. And I have to do things to get things fixed. Okay. We must be compassionate enough to grab their hand when they, when they have fallen. When our brothers fall down, we've got to be compassionate and humble enough to reach toward them and not just walk by. Here's the thing. We have to have each other's back. That means you don't let somebody gossip about somebody you're a brother or a sister with. That means when they need prayer, you jump in it with them. When you hear things being said, you use them as causes for prayer and not causes to spread. That means when when things are happening, you're the one who comes with band-aids and meals and drinks and whatever else is necessary to make sure that life can keep on going the way it's supposed to. We're supposed to have each other's back. That's how it's supposed to work. Not devour one another, not beat up on one another, not eat each other for lunch. That's how we conquer when we stand back to back, grab our sword of the spirit and jump in the fray with one another. Relational connection doesn't keep us from trouble, but it does make life and trouble bearable, endurable, conquerable, and enjoyable. This is not the funnest time of my life, but man, I can't imagine doing things right now without these people who are around me right now. I wouldn't even dream of it. Here's another piece of the puzzle. Life does get cold, and it can get frayed. Anybody ever feel like that's you? Bad hair day and all, right? Hmm. I feel like that's your life, that's happening at your address, right? Just fraying, right? But a relational connection with Jesus and his people brings warmth and keeps us from falling to destruction. Doesn't necessarily keep us from falling. Hmm? Verse 11 says like this, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? The last part of verse twelve says this: Three are even better, for a triple rated cord is not easily broken. I wandered around this church this week, and I looked for every kind of rope I could find. I found, I found several. I found one of those old like tug of war ropes, the big brown ones that mess up your hands badly. You know what I'm talking about? I found one that was like a piece of rope you'd use for like when you're, you know, uh, water skiing or something, like a like a you know like a coated nylon thing. Every one, even this one, every one of them, it's like they took something from the Bible. Every one of them are three strands. I don't know if you can see that there. Every one of them, every one of them in this building I can find are three strands. This is more like a rope you'd use, probably a thicker one you'd use, maybe for something similar to that you use for repelling. I'm not sure I'd use that one. Maybe to tie something down or something. Make sure it didn't fly out of the back of the bed of the truck or something like that. But here's the deal. Life does get cold. We can't help it. This is a, it's a cold world out there, man. Sometimes it's a cold world in here. And sometimes we need the, the warmth of people, but here's the problem. We don't get close enough to people for when we need warmth to get some. God intended for his love to be shed abroad in our hearts, so when life brought us cold stuff, there'd be people within contact reach to go, dude, let's warm that up. Let's be close. Let, 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 let's try and help you work through something. And the other part of the puzzle is this we are going to fall and scrape our knees. But we're not to fall to destruction. We're not to fall to the spot of, of not getting back up again. Jesus promises if we stumble, He'll pick us back up. But He didn't intend to pick us up back up back, back up by Himself. He intended for the people who He put His Spirit inside of to be the ones next to us to help us keep rolling. And so uh, th- th- there's just been there's a lot of things we experienced a chilled life, even though we've experienced the warmth of Christ's love in our hearts. Is that true? How many of you guys have found yourself on fire for Jesus, warmed by the love of God, and then go through a, through a, through a, a wave of life and suddenly find everything just kind of cold? Anybody been there? I almost guarantee you, if I had testimony, the, the reason it warmed back up was because some other person reached into your life. Is that correct? So here's the deal. Some of us are okay if, with, with it just being us and Jesus. I can, you know, I've heard people say, you know, there's Christian TV and we've got podcasts. I, I, I can sit at home and be a Christian. Not and show the world who Jesus is. You can't. He said, well, by the love we express one to the other, be the way people would know we were his disciples, not because I sat someplace and ostracized myself from everyone and everybody and kept myself holy. Some of you are okay with just being you and Jesus, and you just be all right with that. But I'm telling you, you're not living a gospel life when you live like that. You are not. Other parts of you are okay with it being other people, but you're not sure how much you want to give, give Jesus of your life. Both of you are wrong. Jesus needs the whole kit and caboodle. You can show up. You can put stuff in the, in the baskets. You can even volunteer on a schedule. You can operate buttons in the back. You can t- use the hand of mic at the front. If you don't have Jesus and other people in your life, you are missing what gospel living is supposed to be about. And you, you need him, and you need them. And you won't make it without it. Promise. I won't. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 tells us this, that God knows us by name. He created us. But him knowing us and creating us doesn't keep us from bad times. He says, when you go through the water and when you go through the fire, I will be with you. That's what he says. He goes on, the the Proverbs say this, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Somebody who's a real friend doesn't kick you when you're down. Somebody who's a real friend jumps in and helps you sort out what's going on. Loves you in spite of yourself. Helps you keep going in the right direction. And so I'm surrounded right now by those, by them. I wish I had room for all the rest of them. Where's my, where's my small, if you're in my small group, just raise your hand. I won't put anything... Huh? There's John, there's Beth, there's Dot and Julio. They've been gracious to me. They know all about this. For you all did. Look so at all these. And that being said, I, I want you to know that Jesus is with us. He is with you. And if me being weak and vulnerable in front of you will help you realize you can get up and keep going too, then I want to be that. I love you guys, and I have found myself dealing with some unhealthy, emotional, and mental things that I got to get straightened out, and we're going to do it, we're going to keep going for the long haul, not done, not through, got to take a commercial break so you can pick up and keep going, you know what I mean? you need Jesus I want you to know something no matter where you find yourself he will be in the middle of it with you he will never leave you he will never forsake you yesterday I sat in my house and I was and I clicked on a song and he just made his presence really super real to me I mean just like he was sitting in the room and I thought Jesus you are too stinking good man you are you're too amazing for somebody as weak as I am to make yourself know who, who am I like David? Who am I that you're mindful of me? So he comes near to those who are broken and humble and contrite. That doesn't mean we get fixed overnight. That doesn't mean everything goes like it's supposed to. It does mean he'll be there with us. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand... The conduct of the rest of the service to Mr. Phillips, and let him have it.
0: Hefe. Well, that's some kind of handoff. Um, I think he wanted to say he's going to hand the mic, but that's it's all sweaty, and I'll I'll just keep this one. And uh, you know, it the the funny thing is, the odd thing is that. I think we've all learned in our, in our own lives that, that how many times have I thought, gosh, if I didn't have family, I wouldn't have problems. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I, never my mom. <laughs> never. My, it's my, my brother and sister. And, uh, you know, it, family is, is probably one of the greatest sources of, of stress. But it's what we need. It's what we crave. It's real relational family with one another. And it's funny that that also becomes our greatest point of stress because it's, you become vulnerable. There is not, and I'm almost old enough that I can start making like old people statements. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I've been in church my whole life. You know, I've heard people say that and they're like 12 and I'm like, <laughs> solid, good start. Um, you know, there comes a point it's like, okay, I think I'm getting there where I can actually say, you know, of all of the years uh, that Crystal and I have, have served, we've worked with, you know, and known a lot of people. And there, there is no one that I have ever met and, and had the privilege of working with that is more loving, humble, and passionate about people than this couple here. And I, I don't say that lightly. They embody everything that, that led us to church T. That, that was kind of the face of, of what this incredible church was for us when we needed it. Because we were in the exact same position. Exact same position. It wasn't sin that brought us here. It wasn't gross, negligent, outright rebellion against God. We were just exhausted. We were just tired of never having sat together in a pew, never, ever seeing each other at church, me preaching, her singing, doing youth ministry, pastoring a church for eight years, and you get burnt out. You get tired. And if you've never been tired at, at what you do for a living, then please, we'll t- please write a book, sell it outside, because we all get exhausted. Matter of fact, it's funny that my wife and I, we teach, and there's other teachers in here, woo, um, They even know that you got to send them home. Teachers home for the summer. You think you're sending the kids away? They have to send the teachers away for for a couple months. That's what's really going on. The kids don't need the break. They're resilient. They're teenagers. They think they do, but some of the parents like, I wish they had year-round school. Praise Jesus, Um, (laughs) because you're already one week in, you're you're already ready to like ship them off to like China or something. And the, the teachers are what need the break because it's a people business. Every minute of your day is spent putting out fires and dealing with issues, and so the teachers have to leave for a couple months so that we can re-energize, recharge, calm down, take a deep breath, go sit on the beach, do nothing while you sit on the beach, while well, my ADHD kicks in. I'm, I'm good for about eight minutes before I need to go find a football game or, you know, bocce ball or something, but my wife can sit there and stare at the ocean for like the entire 16 hours and read a book. It's not how I decompress. That makes me nervous. <laughs> I know she needs that. Why? Because she's in a room with special needs kids for like nine months, changing diapers, dealing with kids with autism. And she comes home and, you know, by May, she's like, hi. You know, <laughs> she's, she's got the twitch. Hi. <laughs> and the world gets it. You guys need to go away for eight weeks, nine weeks. Take a break. You've got to recharge. But the funny thing is, in the church, we don't do that. We, we strap our pastors down with just addictions and family strife and hospital visits and all of the things that kind of come with the package. And they get burnt out too. And they need to go sit on a beach if they want and do nothing. And we need to make that happen for them because we're family. Because they've made it happen for us anytime we've needed them. And so, this is kind of where the Board of Elders kind of stepped in a little bit and said, all right, because we know Aaron is like that guy that isn't going to take like a sabbatical, which is like, Patrick, thank you for the word impasse. Where are you at? My dude, Patrick. He taught me that when my wife and I don't argue, we're at an impasse. (laughs) And it sounds really holy and spiritual. So, I can call Patrick up and say, you know, I was going to come over and hang out with you, but we're at an impasse. And he's like, Oh brother, I'll pray. And I'm like, Thank you, Jesus. And so Patrick taught me a really spiritual word about fighting and arguing. And I use the word impasse, and it sounds really like cool. Like I was at an impasse with Crystal. And no, we fight. But anyway. (laughs) But impasse sounds good. Sabbatical is like the spiritual term for a vacay, a vacation. It sounds really spiritual. I'm going to sabbatical. Where are you going? Gonna go sabbaticize. I, I don't like I don't I don't know what you do on a sabbatical. It's called a vacation. It's called a you gotta get away. And this guy isn't gonna get away. Who needs a phone? And this guy isn't going to get away from his job unless somebody says, go away. Scooch. And so the people that he's talked about, his small group, his his buddies, his the people that speak into his life have said, you know what? Bye. Time to take couple months off, and you're going to do it. It's probably going to take you the first three weeks to even chill out because you're so high strung 24-7. And it, a one week doesn't fix it because this guy's like me. It takes four days just to get into the vacation. You've got one day to enjoy yourself, and then the next day you're worrying about coming back and who's going to drive and where are we stopping and did you get the Hotwire Hotel? And, <sighs> and so we're kind of like booting him for a nice vacation. And he didn't ask for it, but he did recognize that he's burnt out. And he said something when we were praying, and I'm kind of wrapping up here. And he said, I need to get re-energized for the next big push. Because the Bible tells us to run with patience, the race set before us. And it's an endurance race. It's not a sprint. Some of you can't sprint anymore, but you're still running your race. Sometimes it's a crawl, sometimes it's backwards, sometimes it's on your hands and knees, and sometimes you feel like running, but you keep on running the race that God has set before you. And so um, business is going to, to be taken care of as usual, and uh, we've, we've got speakers lined up. Oh, we're kicking Patrick out too, so we told Patrick, and you know, it's time for, for a, a sabbatical, okay, because we recognize that there's burnout. And it's real and it's tangible. And when you force people to do things when they're burnt out, you're, that's a recipe for disaster. You're forcing people to eventually crash and burn. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.